Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. I think you can hear me. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, we can hear you. You're coming in loud and clear. <laughs> loud and clear. You know, what can you do but laugh about this weather? It's really all you can do, isn't it? Um, is there anything else we can do literally about the weather? Well, the problem is, um, you know, people really want to get spring going, and this is such a, this is a, a three-week setback. This isn't just a couple of days, oh, everything's fine. But it's a it's a three week setback because the uh, ground's still going to be mushy. You can't rake. You can't treat the lawn yet. You know, normally you will have treated the lawn with that. You know, the first step. You know, for the uh, fertilization, and now there's there's no way that you're not going to be ready until the middle of we're gonna June. We're going to we're going to have to leap straight to the uh, to the the weed and feed. Yeah, there's, right, there's no time right, to right. We can't lay down stuff for crabgrass. Prep the lawn. I'm uh, oh, yeah. and I as I was telling Nicole earlier, uh, I have uh, of course the backyard hockey rink, which I like to get up as soon as I possibly can, so it doesn't kill all the grass underneath. Yep. yep. You know, I have a tarp over over the grass, but if it sits there too long, uh, that becomes uh, problematic. And so I don't know what I'm going to do because it may be May <laughs> before. <laughs> That melts enough for me to to get it out of there. So uh, we're hoping to be joined by Brad Ryder. Have you heard from him yet? Have not. Uh, I'm going to send him a text. Okay. All right. But in the meantime, we're going to talk. Josh Rosenthal did a fun story yesterday on 5 Eyewitness News talking about uh, all the things that have changed since the last time the Wolves were in the playoffs. I think it was 04. Is that right, Rook? Yes. Now, in 2004, what were you doing? You were right here, right? Uh, I was still here. Yeah, still I was sitting right here. I was gainfully employed by so Garage Logic. So you've you've shown no professional growth. They were or personal. We know that you've shown no growth whatsoever. Those were good times. Yeah. Those were uh, <laughs> Garage Logic was on top of the hill at that point in two thousand four. In two thousand four, my youngest child was two. She is now going to turn sixteen here in about Isn't a month. Isn't that crazy how time just keeps so flying by? That so in her life. You know, she was only two the last time they were in the playoffs. She has no recollection. Of course, she's not a huge basketball fan, so she won't have any recollection of this playoff round. No, either. you force her into hockey, right? But, but yeah, well, she plays lacrosse actually. Ah, relax. But then my my youngest son was only five at the time. He he's a big Timberwolves fan, but he has no recollection of them ever being in the playoffs. Can we? 
Okay, can we listen before we go to Brad Ryder? Can we? Yeah. And Brad hopefully can hear this. Will yep. he be able to hear this? Oh, sure. We'll, we'll play a little of Josh Rosenthal's story about uh, how much has changed since 2004. A whole lot has changed in the last decade and a half. For instance, we here in the Channel 5 archives definitely don't shoot on videotape anymore. And that's not all. Back in April of 2004, when the playoffs started, gas cost about 179 per gallon. George W. Bush was still in his first term. And among the top shows on TV was season one of The Apprentice. You're fired. A whole lot has changed for everyday Minnesotans, too. What's changed in your life since 2004? A lot. Everything. <laughs> I'm an empty nester now. Downtown's changed quite a bit. Light rail and whatnot. Got divorced. Even the celebs have changed a bit. Here's some footage we dug up from those conference finals in L.A. when we spotted Jimmy Jam, Ray Liotta, and Melanie Griffith alongside Antonio Banderas in a very bright green shirt. As my buddy Joe Schmidt might have put it, you don't have to be Dennis Rodman to know that the worm has turned. <laughs> that is remarkable what has changed in in that amount of time in fact we didn't even have uh smartphones back then right no the the best thing was the somebody tweeted out a picture of the uh, nokia uh cell phone that was that i had at the time and said this was the most popular uh <laughs> cell phone in you know 2000 whatever it was uh before 2004 I think, I think the first time i saw somebody with an iphone was somebody in our newsroom i think it was that about 07 probably think, so yeah. a few years later the weird thing is, is I've known Brad Ryder longer than that. It's taken uh, so many years, but I've known you, him since I don't know. You are really making us sound both really old right now. <laughs> well, well, Brad, Brad Rookie is really old, so <laughs> that, there's nothing just making it sound like. But, Brad, this has got to be uh, some exciting times around the Timberwolves offices. Yeah, I was, as you were playing through that, I was realizing that my now ninth grade son hadn't had his first birthday yet, and my middle school aged daughter hadn't been born yet. So, yeah, it, it, lots happened since the last time, and uh, it, it, is, it is really exciting. I mean, I was talking to somebody a little bit over lunch about how if we could have clinched a week earlier, obviously that would have been ideal. And we didn't play that badly down the stretch. I mean, we, you know, we went 500 with Butler in the line, with Butler out of the lineup and, uh, we won Monday and the snares just didn't drop our ways. And there was a, there was a lot of teams that finished just a game or two ahead of us that were just on fire the last third of the season. But for the theatrical and dramatic effect, the way we did it, I don't think you could you could make it up because of the excitement level, I think, reached a fever pitch because of the way it happened. We had to go to overtime, yeah. uh, win that final game in overtime and a capacity crowd. And so I think that, in a weird way, I think set the stage for the playoff series even better from our perspective as an organization. And I think I heard either Jimmy Butler or Carl Anthony Towns in an interview joking that uh, somehow the NBA playoff gods didn't want the Timberwolves in the playoffs, so they were going to have to do it themselves because it, nothing else would go in your favor. It just didn't seem like it. I mean, it just it was it was a little depressing scoreboard watching the last few weeks. I think it was a week ago tomorrow night, Saturday. I don't even remember all the games, but I do remember there were about four or five games that. If they had gone, one of them had gone a certain way, we'd wake up Sunday morning last week and we'd have been fourth. And all of them went against us and we woke up in, back in eighth again. And it was just, it was wild those last couple of weeks how, and it, didn't, it ended up that way too. We only finished two games out of home court advantage in the, in the first round. That's how close all these teams were. 
And I think all of those teams, you know, four or five teams, were all kind of looking at each other after the season, going, "Man, if you know, you you go back to games in November and December and January, and they... <laughs> the fact is, you know, we're in now, and um, you know, it, it's an exciting time down here, and the fans obviously responded on Wednesday night. Uh, we blew through about 4,000 single-game tickets in about 24 hours after Monday's game and filled the building and had a playoff-like atmosphere in here on Wednesday, and we anticipate the exact same thing's going to happen for the game a week from tomorrow and then game four on the 23rd. And it was so fun, the, the kind of the synergy between the the Twins played early in the day and then there mm-hmm. was a couple-hour gap and then the, the T-Wolves, and I think ever since Target Field opened, uh, people have envisioned that if if the yeah. Timberwolves can ever get into a sustained playoff run, it could get really fun around here in the month of May, maybe yeah. even early June, where the Twins are playing meaningful games and the Timberwolves are in the playoffs. Yeah, and and you know we're all Wild fans here too, and you know we all get get along with their organization and uh, have friends over there, and we envision a situation where every year it can be this way, where the Wild are in the playoffs at the same time we are, at the same time the Twins are playing well, and it could you know uh really shape up for hopefully hopefully years to come it was ironically a year you know wednesday was april 11th a year ago on april 11th was the day we unveiled our new logo if people will remember that on fan appreciation night um the last game of last season and so it was a little ironic to us in the organization that exactly a year later when we were promising people this was a new era here's our new logo all this stuff is changing just wait and see uh, a year later to the day on the calendar, you know, we clinched our first playoff berth in 14 years. Now, I understand that the team is going to leave early. Uh, you, ordinarily, yeah. you would leave tomorrow to get there for a, a Sunday game, but you're trying to trying to beat the storm out of town. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, normally we would wait to go tomorrow. We would typically what we do for road games is we will we will practice late morning, early afternoon, the day before, get on a plane and head to the city uh but we we did that today in fact a lot of the guys are on their way to the airport right now they're leaving in the next hour or so to get down to houston to uh beat some of this other garbage that's coming our way tonight and tomorrow so make sure that we get out of town and how important are these few days you know luckily you have what is it three days before the game i know jimmy butler still trying to get back to 100 percent. how important is it that he has a little more time to rest and heal and because he's going to be a obviously a key component well the the nice thing about the playoff schedule and you know during the regular season you hear a lot of teams complaining us included to be honest with you about all the back-to-backs and about how we play three and four nights or sometimes four and five nights when you get to the playoffs, the playoff schedule, for mainly for TV purposes, admittedly, is a little bit more spread out. You know, we have these three days off between the Denver game and game one on Sunday. And then we have two more days off before game two. And then we have two more days off before game three. So essentially, we're heading to Houston. We're going to be there almost a week because they're not flying back until Thursday morning, the 19th, after a later game on Wednesday. We're going to be in Houston about a week and only play two games. And then we're going to come home and have a couple more days off before game three. I think the fact that we are going to have three days and then two days and then two days off between games will help not only Jimmy, but it'll help a lot of the other guys who maybe have uh, some nicks and bruises here and there, and have played, you know, played in all 82 games like a Carl Anthony Towns did, and uh, give some of those guys a little bit extra extra rest. And quite frankly, it may allow you know us to you know maybe shorten the bench in certain situations and do some of that too. Yeah, because you didn't have the luxury of resting a lot of guys down the stretch because no. you didn't clinch no. until overtime of the last yeah. game. Yeah, <laughs> no, Co- uh, Co- Coach Tibbs even today just in his media scrum said you know the one. Th- positive thing we can take out of the way we did this was essentially the last 
really month, a whole month of March, most games were like playoff games. And so, uh, you know, the, there's a luxury to being the Houston Rockets and knowing that you're the number one seed for probably a month, month and a half because you can rest your guys leading into the game. But then the the flip side of that is you've got guys on our team who have been basically playing playoff games for a month, and maybe, maybe we have that edge. Maybe we have that edge that maybe they need to get back yet, and we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, because you've been playing do-or-die games now for two yep. weeks, <laughs> essentially. Yep. Okay, last thing for you, Brad. Uh, speaking of Game 3, that'll be a home game. I believe it'll be April 21st, is that correct, on yep. Saturday? Yep. April 21st, 6.30. 6.30 start here at Target Center. Tickets are flying fast, like I mentioned, for that game. If people want tickets to the, uh, Game 3 on April 21st, log on to Timberwolves.com. want to point out a little bit about um, our, our ticketing system. Now, most people know we've gone to all digital ticking, ticketing. And if the team inventory, when you go online to look for tickets, looks a little low, Click on the Flash Seats Marketplace button on on the website. That's the market. Uh, that's the uh, uh, blended marketplace we have, where fans can buy and sell tickets. It's all, uh, like our own little like mini StubHub, if you want. And uh, so, if we run out of team inventory, that doesn't necessarily mean you can't find um, a ticket to the game. So, you know, if we announce here down the line that we, you know, have, you know, at some point have less than a thousand tickets or that we're sold out, that doesn't mean you still can't find a ticket to the game. Still go to Timberwolves.com and then click on our Flash Seats Blended Marketplace. Uh, you may not be paying uh, face value, but you can still find a ticket that way. All right, that's good advice. But if they can get them out of your inventory, some of the tickets are pretty affordable in the upper yeah. level, right? Yeah, upper level tickets start at just $25 a seat. So that's, pre- that's pretty affordable to go to an NBA playoff game, just something that we haven't seen here, for, for like we've said, for 14 years. All right, Do you us- make sure that rookie's name is on any of those drop lists that you have? for? It's, the, uh, it's there. I've okay. made sure that it's there. Okay. Well, I love side. you like a brother, but the brother that I love the least. <laughs> <laughs> I know some your family, I know so I know how much you love your family. <laughs> yes. uh, Brad Ryder from the Timberwolves, congratulations on making the playoffs. Hopefully it'll be a sustained run, and if not this year, boy, the future looks very bright for the Minnesota yeah. Timberwolves. Yeah, it sure does. We're awfully excited down here. Happy to talk to you guys, and, and give me a call anytime throughout the playoff run, and we, we'll chat again. All right, sounds good. Brad okay, Ryder thanks. from the Minnesota Timberwolves, and they've got to be giddy over there, uh, Rook. It's been so long. I bet most of the much of the staff has never even experienced a playoff no usually they're yeah. like, okay we're done for the year yeah. we'll see you in uh you know the ordinarily they'd be playing golf tomorrow if it wasn't going to be right. snowing a foot right so uh but how exciting and uh, a little bit later we're going to talk a little bit about the minnesota wild as well because they have a playoff game tonight correct i've they're, got my this is our ice uh from super america oh uh, nice. they were giving out free signs or whatever it was yep i've got one of those too it's going to be Did hanging in my garage yet? no it's going to be in my garage come on put it out in the lawn let's go so, all let's right. get her going here we'll be back on garage logic Come back here. I really need to uh, mention this uh, this tweet that is just on fire right now. And Reavers, you started this. What's your Twitter handle, Reavers? Uh, at Chris Reavers. At Chris Reavers and at Rookie GL. But 
Uh, Chris Atterbury uh, put out a tweet. This is fantastic. And it's, I'm going to make it small here. It's, the tweet says, it's almost like those 2,000 hits were preordained. And it has a picture, the classic picture of TK in his Zubas smoking a cigar <laughs> about to um, feed the pitching machine in the Metrodome. And it's a split screen. And on the other side is a very young Joe Maurer with the same blue shirt and basically the same Zubas in front of his house as a kid holding a trophy. Oh, you're kidding. It is so, Chris Atterbury is to be commended because this is, it's a perfect tweet. And it's on, just on fire right now. And uh, Reavers, did you retweet that? Yes, I did. Okay, yeah. I did as well. Well, and everybody, Rookie I think, Gio. knows the uh, any Twins fan has seen the, the the classic TK photo where it's you know you might be cool, but you'll never be Tom Kelly smoking a cigar with Zubas on inside the Metrodome cool. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. and that is, and you know Zubas are making a slight comeback, Ooh, which yeah. is sad. Really, to who say. told you that? Well, I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, some guy I saw wearing them. <laughs> I think he might he might have been just trying to convince himself that they're coming back. Can I tell you my favorite uh, Joe Maurer story and why I was so happy to be in the stadium last night to see him get his 2,000 Oh, you were there. Hit. I was there with my nephew and we are having a great time and it was his last at bat of the game. You knew that and it was just, you know, a two-run single. It was so much fun but many years ago, I think it was 2001, I want to say when he was playing for the, I think it was the Quad City River Bandits mm-hmm. uh, down in, uh, obviously down in the Quad Cities, and that's where my wife's family is from. And I was at a game with my uh, my father-in-law and my son, Hobie, who is now almost 25, but at the time he was like eight years old. He wanted to go down outside the locker room and wait for Joe Maurer to come out and get his autograph. You mm-hmm. know, Joe was all of what, 18 right, or 19 Right, right, fresh out of Creighton. He's the last guy out. Uh, of the locker room, and he signed. Hobie used to always keep score every play, oh, wow. every game. Way to go, nerd! And yeah, and he and he's now a CPA for Ernst <laughs> and Young. So way to go, all, nerd! Keep it up. It all talk about preordained. Right. Anyway, Joe Maurer couldn't have been nicer. He signed it to, to Hobie, signed his his scorecard and whatnot. And then my father-in-law, so Hobie's grandfather, and I. Uh, walked Joe out to his, I believe he had a big black pickup truck out in the parking lot. We just shooting the breeze with him on the way out to the wow. parking lot. And it was just the neatest thing. And now it was fun to see 2,000 hits later. Uh, you know, he's still going strong for the Minnesota Twins. Well, it is uh, it is really neat. It's amazing. But the other tweet that was, you sent out a tweet last night that I don't, set off a little firestorm. I don't get why there's a certain percentage of the fan base that just can't appreciate what Joe is as a ball player. And it, it, it really unnerves me because, listen, I've taken my fair share of cheap shots at Joe, but I've always appreciated how great of a baseball player he is. And there's just always going to be that section of Twins fans that, oh, he's making too much money. He doesn't hit for enough power. He doesn't. Shut up. He's been nothing but class. Solid. He's been a solid ball player his entire career. Yeah, he's he's had some injury issues, but so what? Just appreciate what he is. And there's not one person among all of those who've criticized his salary who would have ever said no to $25 million a year. Right. Not one of them. And that's the amazing thing. Somebody offered him the money. That's what the market would bear back then. He was coming off a, an MVP season, I believe, right, when he signed that. In 2009, and, he had one of the best statistical seasons a catcher has ever had in Major League Baseball. And as a catcher, how the do you not invest just, in that? The Twins just opened up a brand new publicly funded stadium, or not all publicly funded, but opened up a brand new stadium. They had no choice but to sign him to that contract. Because had they not, they would have been 
Oh my! Could you imagine what would have happened had they not signed Joe to a long-term? Had he contract? gone to Boston and right. then become Big Poppy Junior? I just, I, just like? I can't stand the anti-Mauer crowd. And last night it was in full force. Less, I just it was making me so angry. Yeah, it just and people are going. Well, it's only two thousand hits. Why are they making such a big deal out of it? Well, he's only the third right. Minnesota Twin to get two thousand hits with the team. It is. I wonder what the figure is across Major League Baseball. How many players have had? 2000 plus hits well, with one compare team. Compare the two the two players side by side and I, this is not a rip on Rod Carew, but they have essentially the same careers from a hitting standpoint when they were in a Twins uniform. Yeah, in terms of what? Batting titles? Just and, everything. Just you yeah. know, just just look up the numbers. They're almost identical to one another. I did not know that. So, yeah, any, and, I, anyway, again. And, and you know, it's funny because Joe Maurer only had one big power year. I forget how many home runs he hit. It was Maybe you got the stats. 27 or 28. And do you remember Rod Carew had one big power year? And so there, there, there are some parallels in there, you know, because Carew was usually a line drive hitter, right, slapping right. the, yeah, the, the Kirby. ball all over. Yeah. And the other thing is, he's off to a really good, he's having a really good year this year. Yeah, I think, well, last night to start the game, I think he was batting like 387, and then he went, what, two for four, two for so four. he's probably around 400, and it, granted, it's only... Power's going to hit 400! It's only the middle sucks. of April. Let's, <laughs> yeah, let's start that now. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it's the middle of April. He will sustain 400. What's, the, what's his until... e- elimination number? What's the E number at the end of the season? <laughs> well, it was fun, and the, unfortunately, there were not a lot of people there last night because of the weather, but right. it was awesome, and the people who were there really appreciated it. Everybody had their cameras ready to go, and it was just, it was a great moment. I'm glad I was there to witness it. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. We're going to talk wild playoffs a bit later. We'll be back. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Reavers and Mr. Tom Hauser. Uh, we've got, now, Bruce Vale is out and about. Uh, he's hunkered down for the storm that's not even going to hit the East Coast yet, but he's got Frank Miller in here, and he's got the Your Money Now report, first of two today from Frank, and it comes to us courtesy of Owatonna's own Federated Insurance. It's going to snow here, Frank. Good afternoon. Well, the final hour of trading is underway on Wall Street. Stocks have given up their modest gains and have been trading mostly negative for much of today's trading. Stocks initially kicking off the day in the green after financial giants J.P. Morgan, Citigroup, and Wells Fargo reported better-than-expected earnings. However, the bank sector and those stocks in particular have been trading mostly negative for much of today's trading. In economic news today, it looks like U.S. consumer sentiment is a little lower than expected. The University of Michigan's Preliminary Consumer Sentiment Index for April came in at a reading of 97.8. To put that in perspective, economists had expected a reading of 100.5. And Jeffrey the Giraffe may be on life support, but there still could be some life left for the Toys R Us chain. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that billionaire toy maker Isaac Larian is bidding $890 million for both the U.S. and Canadian Toys R Us operations. He's best known for being the founder of MG Entertainment, who makes the popular line of Bratz toys. Larian says he's making a cash deposit and has financial backing from Bank of America and UBS. So we could see the return of Jeffrey the Giraffe. I'm Frank Miller with Your Money Now, 1500 ESPN. All right, thank you very much, uh, Frank Miller. Uh, Reavers is talking about how many 12-packs he's going to buy for the weekend as he hunkers down. I'm going to tell you where you can find some great baseball, and that's at Target Field. Once all the snow clears... What's the date on that? Saturday, May 26th. It is the Town Ball Classic. If you would like to purchase, tickets are 10 bucks for three games, and you're going to have some twists and some surprises. Check it out. Find out how to buy tickets and exactly what's going on at the Town Ball Classic. Details at 1500 ESPN.
and 40 degrees. Uh, this update brought to you by Robert W. Baird and Company. Twins White Sox, again tonight from Target Field, weather permitting. Twins haven't announced uh, anything about the weather, and they also have not announced who their starting pitcher might be this evening. Ronaldo Lopez will pitch for Chicago if that game indeed is played. I'll be amazed if it is, I but you never know. Wild and Jets, game two of their opening round playoff series tonight. They're in Winnipeg. One NFL note today, the Cowboys have released Des Bryant. Bryant never lived up to the $70 million five-year contract uh, he signed after leading the NFL with 16 touchdowns, receiving in 2014. Still had two years oh, left on oh, that deal. <laughs> no, wrong sport? Wrong sport, wrong, wrong team. Dallas Cowboys. Wrong, wrong everything. Got it, sorry. It was kind of half <laughs> Wrong show. Yep. Wrong yep. show, thank you. He still had two years <laughs> left on that deal with a base salary of $12.5 million per season. News notes from today. Investigators say they found what they are calling files of concern on the telephone belonging to that woman accused of starting fires on the campus of St. Catherine University in January. That information part of a court filing opposing the motion that the order of detention for Tznuza Jamal Hassan be reconsidered. In early February, the U.S. Attorney's Office announced a three-count indictment of Hassan, charging her with attempting to provide material support to a designated foreign terrorist organization, making a false statement to the FBI and arson. She remains in jail. Her lawyers had filed a motion for reconsideration on April 5th, asking for Hassan to be released into the custody of her mother and sister on the condition she remain on house arrest for the remainder of the case and her whereabouts would be monitored by GPS monitoring. The motion to oppose Hassan's request was filed yesterday by federal prosecutors. They argued that an examination of her phone revealed further proof of her abiding dangerousness. According to the court records, after the Federal Bureau of Investigation gained access to Hassan's phone, they allegedly located terrorist propaganda that encourages individuals to conduct unlawful acts of violence. Investigators say they also located blueprints and schematics of two buildings on St. Kate's campus. A Delta flight from Minneapolis to Anchorage, Alaska, had to make an emergency landing last night at Fargo's Hector International Airport after smoke was reported in the cockpit. WDAY-TV reporting the flight departed around 5.55 from the airport here and was carrying 189 passengers. The plane was over Bismarck when it was forced to turn around. The plane was able to land safely in Fargo at about 7.30 last night. Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein has struck a stoic tone in private conversations he's had this week about the fate of his job as President Trump has launched public criticism against him and considered firing him. That's coming from three sources who have spoken to Rosenstein this week. In those conversations, he repeats the phrase, here I stand, a reference to Martin Luther's famous quote, here I stand, I can do no other. One source who spoke to Rosenstein said he seemed fully aware he might soon lose his job and was at peace with the possibility, confident he had done his job with integrity. Wall Street Journal reporting President Trump's personal lawyer negotiated a deal in late 2017 to pay $1.6 million to a former Playboy model who said she was impregnated by a top Republican fundraiser. Michael Cohen, whose office, home, and hotel room were raided by federal agents this week, arranged the payments to the woman on behalf of Elliot Broidy, a deputy finance chairman of the Republican National Committee with ties to Donald Trump. 
I'm just hearing Pink Panther, Benny Hill music or Pink Panther music in the background. This is fun. Come on. The deal prohibits the L.A. woman from disclosing her alleged relationship with Mr. Boydie in exchange for the 1.6 mil. Uh, Mr. Cohen did not respond to requests for comment. A spokesman for the woman's lawyer, Keith Davidson, said he couldn't confirm nor deny the existence of any agreement. The disclosure puts additional attention on Mr. Cohen, the longtime lawyer and self-described fixer for President Trump. Federal prosecutors are planning to comb through documents they seized during the raids to look for evidence of bank fraud, among other things, according to a person familiar with the matter. Hmm. Right next door to us, Benjamin Morrow was found dead in March with white supremacist, uh, supremacist literature and the ingredients for a notorious bomb known as the Mother of Satan. The 28-year-old Morrow died in an explosion in the kitchen in his Beaver Dam, Wisconsin apartment on March 5th. His home filled with bomb-making substances so volatile that firefighters chose to destroy the 16-unit apartment block in a controlled blaze rather than let Morrow's neighbors continue to live in the building. A search warrant unsealed last week revealed that Morrow kept white supremacist... Uh, why can I not say supremacist? Because you're not one, John. And I don't think you'd like to Sup- use the term. Yeah, white I think you're uncomfortable with the whole idea. Supremacist yes. literature. In his home, investigators' application for a second warrant suggests Morrow had plans announcing he was clearing out a rented storage locker just hours before his death. Uh, Kevin Hermile of the Wisconsin Department of Justice called Morrow's apartment a homemade explosives lab. When they responded to reports of an explosion at the home, investigators passed a one-gallon metal container of acetone. Acetone's an explosive substance, an ingredient in what's called the mother of Satan. No, that's not what it is, Rick. No? A volatile bomb used by terrorists in ISIS attacks in Manchester, England, and Paris, France in recent years. Sure, he throws out acetone and uh, what was the Heil moral or whatever? You got yep. those pronunciations fine. Yeah, then right. supremacists. Yeah, yeah, was, spit it, that out. I couldn't get supremacists. And literature together yeah. in the same. Supremacy. President, will you help out the newsman, please? Sure. The word, like the word I try to avoid at all costs in broadcasting is rural. Rural. I hate saying the word rural. I'll say out in the country. I just don't want to say rural. Yes, but if you want it, supreme, you try to go and, to like and if, popping fresh pies or. So whenever I have, I have to do a story at the Capitol on rural broadband, I try to just oh. avoid that. When I was a kid, I couldn't say my R's. I had to go through speech therapy. Rural, rural yeah. is harder to say than. Like banana supreme pie, <laughs> or is that banana cream pie? Supreme. You got more there, Johnny. Sure, cheese make strawberry this supreme. Make this cheesecake. Stop. Actor uh, actor Will Ferrell released from a hospital this morning after Uh-oh. he was in a car accident last night in Southern California. He didn't suffer any significant injuries, according to a spokesperson. He wasn't driving an SUV. He was one of three passengers in the vehicle. California Highway Patrol said a woman in the vehicle suffered major injuries in the incident. The SUV he was riding in sideswiped by another vehicle from the right rear. Uh, His vehicle, the vehicle Farrell was in, then tipped over. The driver of the SUV and the third passenger, a man, suffered minor injuries, according to the Highway Patrol. Video footage from the scene showed Farrell sitting on the road and talking with a firefighter, later seen talking on a cell phone as Cruz loaded his gurney. Did he have clothes on? Because I thought it was... Wasn't he running around and he tried to get to the tennis courts? <laughs> Go street keep running! <laughs> Everybody's doing it. Oh, we're I going, love that. We're I going could watch that quad. four million <laughs> times. Down to the gymnasium. Everybody's doing it. <laughs> four <Yes>. million times. <laughs> okay, maybe a couple times, not four million. What I love, though, is in that video that's been circulating on YouTube for a number of years now, you convinced your youngest child that that was you in the video. <laughs> yeah. 
My youngest uh, for my, for listeners who are not familiar with it. Yes, uh, what is that? You going show? streaking to the quad. It's a the Will Ferrell. It's, scene, it's yeah. a spoof off of Will Ferrell, where some guy decided to streak and run onto a tennis court to uh, shock some people. <laughs> but there was a plexiglass door, and that's what you hear when he when he's running into it. You hear him unfortunately run into the to the door here. <laughs> Go streaking to the quad. <laughs> And he gets he gets launched back, but uh, my youngest son is thirteen year old, thoroughly convinced that it is me in well, this video. There's no evidence to the contrary. You don't see no, the guy's face. No, no, no. I don't exactly. want to look at the other distinguishing marks to see if it it's is you. It's dark enough, so don't worry. It's uh, Johnny. You got good. anything else? Uh, I don't know. Should I? Do you have a, yeah. Do you have a lighter note to end on last time? Yeah, yeah, sure. How you ended on death Let last me time. do this sweet story because I don't want to do it when Kenny's here because he'd just throw things at me. Right. A yeah. man has the car of his dreams eight years after he slipped a note inside the window of a blue 1971 Volkswagen bus that the then 16-year-old called his future car. Kyle Cropsey of Lindenhurst, New York, received a call last week from Chris Mead of Oakland, California. Mead's dad, Cornelius, had bought the van new and named it Matilda, taking his family on cross-country trips. The son was cleaning it out after his father's deaths when he came across Cropsey's note tucked into the Volkswagen's logbook. Chris Mead told Newsday the family decided to give Cropsey the van on the condition he update them on its restoration and that he takes it on plenty of adventures. Uh, Cropsey, who's 23 now, teaches English, said it was fate. For me to have this car. Now that is a kicker. That's a kicker. That's no what one, we were looking no for. No one died. Well, somebody did die, but they, uh, but yeah. this was a Had nice way of remembering yeah. them. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So Nicole Mitchell, when we return. Yes, we'll have her. And but real quick, on the Joe Mauer conversation we had before, yeah. a texter uh, writes in that only two hundred and eighty seven players have hit two thousand or more hits in Major League Baseball, and more than nineteen thousand players have played in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. So he says Mr. Reavers, Joe Maurer is elite. You texting with PJ Fleck? Uh, no, yes, I am. How did you know that? How did, how did you know that? I guess I gave that away. We'll be back. All right. I know somebody who's been working hard down in the Weather Center is Nicole Mitchell trying to figure out, trying to narrow down that potential for snowfall from one inch to three feet to something maybe more more palatable for all of us. Uh, last time we talked, you were thinking, what'd you say, eight to 12, somewhere in that range? Yeah. <laughs> I, so I don't know if that's more palatable. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. And it's a really tight corridor because where we are in that weather system, it's a big weather system through the central United States. We're at the very northern end. So you get a little north of the cities already by Brainerd or Fargo. They might not see any snow. St. Cloud, maybe four to eight inches, but we're right in that corridor of heavy snow. And then you go south of us and they're just slightly warmer. So they get more rain first and they as well might get a little less snow. But right now it looks like that heavier band is going to set up right over us from tonight through tomorrow. The heaviest tomorrow with high winds too, and really making it ugly. And then uh, kind of winding down Saturday night into Sunday with less snow. But that's that's the total for the whole period. And I always feel sorry for meteorologists like you because you will have the people who will have been hearing these forecasts for days and days about how much snow we're going to get. And they might be in one of those areas outside the narrow band that gets nothing 
and they'll talk about, see, they can never get it right. We didn't get any snow. Meanwhile, the guy, you know, 15 miles uh, south of there has, you know, been shoveling to the point of nearly having a heart attack because right. there is so much snow. You can't win. The other funny thing is people will try and negotiate with me. Like, well, what if I'm like, I'm not creating it. You can't negotiate me to a different total. Because if you do harness that ability to to determine what's going to happen, I want to be your agent. So you let me know. I I would be getting paid a lot more if I could control it. Absolutely. And I would take a cut of that as your agent. But we could make that happen. So it looks like Sunday... We might obviously going to be the nicer of the day, but how long, if we do get 8 or 10 or 12 inches of snow, how long till it melts? What is the forecast next week? Okay, so next week we're still not at average. Right now we should be at 57 degrees. And, and by the way, right now we're at 40. Um, this weekend with all this cold stuff, we're in the lower 30s. Next week we do get back into the 40s and a few more days with sunshine. So we'll start melting somewhat but we're still not going to be close to average. It looks like it might take us one more week, and then and then we could actually feel a little bit more like spring. But uh, next week is still going to be on the cold side. But more sunshine days, more days in the 40s. After what we're going to deal with the next few days, I, I think <laughs> I'll call it good enough. <laughs> All right, because a lot of people are hoping not to have to shovel or plow this. They want Mother Nature to get rid of it. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, it's not it's gonna just going to be any... so much. If you're in one of those heavy bands, that uh, I, I think you're you're going to have to... I know yeah. I at least I at least have 100 feet of sidewalk in front of my house that I will have to clear <laughs> off for the school kids. So I know I'm stuck with that no matter what. But we'll see about the driveway. Nicole Mitchell, thank you very much. I know you're going to have a busy weekend. And I'm on call tomorrow, Nicole, so I might have a busy day uh, myself. Okay. Well, either way, all of you stay safe. Okay, you know what? We you forgot too. the records for the date, though. Oh, do you have the records I for the do. date? April I 13th? do. Of course well, she does. Friday Thomas, the 13th. How nice would this be? 2006, the high, 84. Oh. I know. Yeah. Nin- uh, and 1962, the record low of two. So it could be worse. Okay. It could, it could, it could, be, it could be way, way, way better. Lining. And it could be way worse. So we're kind of right in the middle of all that. So. Thanks, Nicole. All right. Thank you, Nicole Mitchell. Let's, we're going to take a break, yep. and then we're going to come back because I know all of Minnesota is wondering what is the latest on the mummified monkey. Yeah. And we have some details from a man uh, who knows a lot about the Dayton's department store downtown because he used to work there 50 years ago. He is now our governor, and we'll hear from him on the latest on the mummified monkey after this. Experiment. The Sands is proud to present a wonderful new show, A Man and His Music. The music of Count Basie and his great band. And the man is Joe Suchere. I know it's a scramble and we got all that stuff, but we've got, we promise we want to get to this. Um, the mummified monkey. Yes. And Here's what the governor had to say. People know the story. I don't need to go into the backstory. The mummified monkey found in the old downtown Dayton's during a renovation. Let's listen to what Governor Dayton has to say. Dayton also had some fun today with the mystery of the mummified monkey story we brought you earlier this week. Workers restoring the old Dayton's department store in Minneapolis discovered the remains of a monkey. 
and they think it may date back several decades. Well, the governor remembers monkeys in a display when he actually worked at the Dayton store in the summer of 1968. They had a, a you know, set these exhibits up on the eighth floor to get people to come up and shop on the way up, shop on the way down. So they had this rainforest and big knitting, and they had these monkeys, and then they had these chirping birds. <laughs> and some of you didn't figure out that the monkeys were carnivores. <laughs> and I won't get into graphic detail in, in front of the cameras here. <laughs> Suffice it to say, the monkey monkeys were eating the birds. The beads was eating the weems, as my brother used oh to my say. Gosh. He couldn't say his R's either, but it was Whoops. very It was uh, that mummified mummy story or monkey story will, will hopefully never die like the monkey did. No, it's very intriguing. People... People wanted to know more about it. I did immediately, so I'm, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad the governor our, remembers that. In our as well. waiting seconds, can we bring the scramble back up, or is uh, it already? Run I think I course? already killed okay. that. Uh, how did all these people get in my room, and yes. then we kind of go, you know? <sighs> uh, well, Rook, <laughs> thank you for filling in. Fun to be here. I will see you again sometime soon. Go wild. Live from outside of his house tomorrow is Tom <laughs> Hauser. Absolutely. 1500 ESPN is KSTP, St. Paul, Minneapolis Sports Talk, and the Lindsey Whalen Press Club.